Please turn with me in your Bibles once more to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Our text for this evening's message will be on this chapter of God's holy word. And our title is Courageous for God. Courageous for God. What do you think of when you think of the word courage? What is the first thing that comes into your mind when you think of someone being courageous? Perhaps it is someone doing something unpopular, standing alone for the cause of truth. As Christians, we remember the testimony and the witness given by someone like Martin Luther, who largely stood alone in the face of a rejection of the gospel, Luther stood for faith alone. Earlier generations may think of soldiers willingly giving their lives to protect their country, to protect their neighbors. Perhaps you may think of firefighters as a great example of courage and bravery or policemen, or rescue workers. See, in all these jobs that I've mentioned, and all these things that has just been said, courage is needed to be good at these roles, doesn't it? We know this. Our current generation, though, has a very different view of what it means to be courageous a very wrong and a very sinful idea of what it means to be courageous. You see, today, to be courageous is to not wrestle with sin, not to strive against sin, not to be ashamed of sin, but to parade it and to do whatever you want. That is seen as courageous today in our culture, to not care what anyone thinks, and certainly not to care what God thinks. A previous generation may have called that cowardice. What do policemen, firemen, soldiers, all these people I've mentioned have in common? They're doing something for others. They're doing something for a cause outside of themselves. To be a good doctor, you need to care about patients. To be a good soldier, you need to care about your neighbors and you need to love your country. But what about us Christians? Are we to be brave? Are we facing a battle of our own? Do we need to be cor courageous? Or can we say when we hear of be strong and of good courage, that's not for me. That may be for the elder. That may be for the minister. That may even be for the deacon, but not for me. Friends, it's for all of us. It's not just for the missionary. It's for all of us. All of us are part of the Lord's army going through a difficult journey toward our heavenly Canaan, our heavenly home. 
And it's nothing in ourselves that will make us brave. We have to remember that. It's who stands with us. It's who is with us there on our side to help us because we look to him and to him alone, the Lord himself. We all face a difficult challenge. So we all need courage, don't we? Every single one of us as we face our own trials. As we look at this text now in Joshua chapter one, we're going to look at it under a number of headings of four headings. The first heading is this, the future of the courageous, the future of the courageous. At the beginning of this book of Joshua, there is a change in leadership. Moses has just passed away and Joshua is taking over. It says in verses one and two, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even the children of Israel. Look at those words. Arise. Go. What might have been the feeling of people with a change of leadership? Moses had led them thus far. He's gone. They had been led by him out of Egypt. Yes, it was God, but under his leadership. And the leadership has changed. Will things fall apart, they may have been thinking to themselves. Will Joshua lead with the same integrity, with the same godliness of Moses? So there can be much anxiety, can't there, when there's a change in leadership. What's the word of God to Joshua, the leadership, and to the people of God? Arise, go. The temptation is always when there's some change in with the people who've led us so far, we almost become discouraged and want to drop the hands. It's a temptation we all face. But friends, the work never stops. Even when we've seen those inspirational leaders in church history, they pass away, they pass on the baton to the next person. The work continues. The Lord raises up leadership, and may he do so again in our day. And this is something we ought to pray for, isn't it? When we think of the need for preachers in our land, when we think of the, the need of ruling elders in many congregations, we ought to be praying for the Lord to send laborers into his harvest, and the Lord provides. The work continues. Whatever the change in circumstance, the message is the same. Arise, go. We must keep going forward. We may not feel like going forward at times, but we must keep going forward for the reason, this reason. The future of the courageous is this, victory. And verse 3 gives it to us. Every place 
that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. There wasn't any, well, you may be victorious. Victory was sure, but they had to be courageous. Victory was sure, and this victory was by faith. A whole generation spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, and we're told at the end of Hebrews chapter 3 why they did not enter into the land. Unbelief. This land was theirs by faith and by faith alone. It was theirs by promise of God. Notice the language of every foot, every place they would put their foot. It kind of reminds you, doesn't it, of the promise of the seed of the woman crushing the head of the serpent, treading underfoot the enemy with every single step. If we turn to Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, we'll remind ourselves of that wonderful promise given after the fall of Adam. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here in this text, there are two seeds. The seed of the woman, that is Christ, and the seed of the serpent. Now Christ advances his kingdom using mere means such as us. The kingdom advances in, in the book of Joshua through the power of God. And the kingdom advances through the power of God in our own day, through the gospel, through the power and the promise of Almighty God. The kingdom of darkness is defeated. Before we came into this building this evening, the lights were off, and there was darkness in the building. But as soon as you turn on the light, what happens? Darkness, it flees. It has to run into the corners of the building, and that is what the gospel is. The gospel is victorious. The gospel sets forth to do exactly what it means to do. The word of God accomplishes everything it means to do because God is powerful. God is powerful. And as much as when we turned on the lights in this building, darkness fled away. That's what the gospel does. It is light shining in a dark place. And it is sure victory. Placing those things that are contrary, those enemies of God under the feet. If we turn to Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, Romans chapter 16 and verse number 20. It says this in verse 20. Paul writes to the Romans, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan onto your feet shortly. The God of peace 
shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And again, this victory comes by spiritual means. It comes with spiritual weapons, powerful weapons. Because our future is sure. The victory is assured. And when you know about the, the future results, what does it do? Imagine if you're playing in a sport, halftime, you're down about 3-0. But you know the final result. You know that there's going to be victory for your side. You feel courageous, don't you? You feel like keep going. You don't want to stop because you know how the result will end. We know how this will all end. We know, we know the end. We know how the Lord will return and bring in a new heavens and a new earth. We know the victory that has been brought, and they knew in Joshua's day the victory that was sure if they followed the Lord. By faith, can we lose? No, no, friends, by faith we go forward, no matter what is in front of us. You see, if we only focus on what is in front of us, forgetting the victory that is ahead, we can become discouraged and dismayed. Verse 5, it says, There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. No one's going to be able to stop the advancement. Does that give us courage to know the victory is sure? Our second point, we've looked at the future of the courageous. Number two, now we're going to look at the friend of the courageous. The friend of the courageous God changes us from the point of time. He rescues us from that miry clay, putting our feet upon a rock, establishing our way. He changes us from being at war with him to being reconciled with him, to being at peace with him. So no longer are we the enemy of God fighting on the losing side. We're on the victorious side. And because we have a friend in the Lord, how can we have courage to face darkness? Because we all face challenges, don't we? We all face challenges in our homes, in schools, in our communities. Perhaps you face darkness and sin in your place of work. You're not sure how to deal with it. You need courage. You need courage to confront perhaps one of your children on an area of sin in their lives. You need courage for all these things, a holy boldness to be able to challenge these things because in our own strength, we cannot do it. In our own strength, friends, we are without any strength. See, courage is to do what is right, not what is convenient, not what is easy, to do what is right, because we can do what is right because of the friend that we have in Jesus. Look at verse 6. 
Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Also the second half of verse number five. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. So will I be with thee. God is with us. God is with Joshua and the people of God as they passed over the Jordan River. At this moment in time, they had yet to pass over. They'd yet to enter into the land. They looked at the land and it was filled with enemies, difficulties, people who wished to do them harm. But that land was promised to them. On the face of it, there's no way they can have victory. They're too small, too weak, and too few. But because God was with them, they would be victorious. Canaan was full of enemies, but they had to look to their friend, not their enemies. And that's the same for us, friends. If we look at the challenges we face in our culture, just look at Scotland today. If we just look at the people we have in government and don't look at the promises of the gospel, we will be discouraged. There's no doubt about it. If we just look at the challenges we face, we will become discouraged. We have to remind ourselves of whom we know, the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, courage will depart. We will drop the hands and cease to work. Cowardice, friends, will take over. That's us by nature. We're all cowards by nature. That's us. We're weak. We don't have any strength in and of our own selves. Strength will leave. We will not be people of valor. We will not be people of courage in this battle. It's too difficult for us. We need a powerful friend who is more powerful than any of the enemies that we face, whether that's the world and all the enemies that are against us in the world. And that we can think of lots of examples, whether it's things in the schools with the trans movement, whether it's the pride parades, all these things, whether it's the flesh, our own hearts leading us away to sin, or whether it's the devil himself, we're too weak to face it alone. It's not possible. We would be surely defeated if we were to do it alone. You face those who do not love God or the truth. How can they be strong? And we think about Joshua's day. How can they be strong as they pass over the Jordan River? God is with them. As he was with Moses, so will he be with Joshua. He won't leave him nor forsake him. And we see throughout the book of Joshua that certainly came to pass. The defeats that they faced, and they did face defeats, was when they were looking to themselves, looking to idols, when they were distracted away. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord, it's not to say that any of these things are easy. The victories came in stages. The victories in the book of Joshua came not all at once. And the Lord was certainly powerful enough to do that. but so we would depend on him, so they would depend on him, that they would see the friend of those who trust in God, 
John chapter 15 and verse 12. John chapter 15 and verse number 12. If we think of our friend in Jesus who is with us. John chapter 15 and from verse number 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Verse number 14. You, you, ye are my friends. In the Bible, Abraham was called a friend of God, and that was a tremendous blessing that Abraham had. But we have this same blessing in Abraham, in Christ. And it's a wonderful blessing that we have in him, that we have this friend in the Lord. I remember when I was young, I was in school, I think I was about 11 or 12 years old. I was bullied for about a year or two. But I remember there was one older boy in the school who stood up for me. And whenever he was around, whenever he was in the background, I always felt a lot more brave. I didn't feel afraid. I felt that that person was there for me if anything happened. We have someone far more powerful than that. We have God. The promises of God. The fact that he has, if we look at Romans 8.31, Romans chapter 8.31, friends, we have such Blessings on our side. I think we forget these things. Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Why would we be afraid if we know what we have? Verses 38 and 39 of this same chapter in Romans 8. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love that God had for Moses, the love that God had for Joshua, the love that God had for his people, the love that God has for you today in Christ, a pleasing love, a delighting love. This is the thing we need to cling to for courage as we travel on our journey. Our third point is the fight of the courageous, the fight of the courageous. So we've looked at the future of the courageous, the friend of the courageous, the fight of the courageous Joshua chapter 1, once more, verses 7 and 8. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all the thing. Thou mayest observe to do all according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This fight is also not pleasant. It is a battle. 
And I think sometimes we forget that. We live, relatively speaking, compared to most of the rest of the church in church history, compared to most people who've lived across the last couple of thousand years, we live relatively comfortably. We live in houses that kings of old would have marveled at. We do. We have so many comforts and blessings that we forget at times the ugliness of the war that has taken place for 6,000 years. The ugliness of it is because of sin. And there's enmity between two seeds. Battles raging. You see it here. The battle in our own hearts to keep the law of God. All these things against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And in the midst of the difficulties and the trials, you see, we forget this. It's difficult. It is hard. It is trying. It will require all of your strength. Verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. But the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. You see, we can become dismayed. Some of God's greatest servants upon the face of the earth have had times of being dismayed. I'm sure you've had those too. Where you feel like giving up. You struggle. And whatever you're doing, you feel those incredibly discouraging moments. But what is the key? You have to realize it's a fight. It's a battle. It's a daily battle. And the devil is constantly with those who serve him, seeking to undermine the work of the kingdom. The, the devil can't take away the sure victory, but he can surely discourage us. He can surely bring dismay. But that's when our eyes have been taken off. The, the sure victory, and the one who is our friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, and been placed upon only the fight. I point this out because sometimes we can feel like we're the only person who goes through these things. No, we have to all, all struggle with this. All of us. If you're a Christian, you're in the Lord's army. And it's a battle. If you want an easy life and you run from every struggle, Christian life, it's not an easy life. It says in verse number 14 of our text, your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on the, on the side Jordan, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and strength and might, and help them. That battle that they were going to face was one that needed strength. That strength came from the Lord. And the battle we face as we travel towards our own heavenly Canaan is also one that requires us to fight. Now, it's not one with 
fleshly weapons and the weapons of this world. I'm talking about far more impressive weapons than the nuclear weapons we hear on the news. I'm talking about far more impressive weapons than guns or anything else like that. We're talking about spiritual weapons, weapons of warfare, prayer. The word of God is described as the sword of the spirit. This is what we face. This is the battle that we face. And how do we use these weapons? We must have strength and sustenance. We must have food. Verse 11 says this, pass through the host and command the people saying, prepare you victuals, or that is food, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. How are you going to have enough strength? You're going to need food. If an army advances, some battles and wars have been lost because armies have ran out of food. Where is our food? Jesus Christ is our food and our drink. The food is right here as we enter, as we travel. It's not the weapons of the world. It's the weapons of the word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians and chapter 10 and verses 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And in the land of Canaan at that time, there were cities and monuments and structures raised against the knowledge of the truth that by God's power were pulled down. That is how these things, the things you read about in the news that grieves us, how is that to be pulled down? By prayer and through the power of Almighty God. Are these things too powerful for our God? Oh no, not at all. We have the better weapons in this war. We have the better weapons, and that should give us courage. If you know you're an army, and you've got the tanks, and you're fighting against the army with, with horses and bows and arrows, that gives you a little bit of confidence, doesn't it? We should realize what is on our side. Finally, number four. The fruit of the courageous, the fruit of the courageous. So we've looked at the future of the courageous, the friend of the courageous, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. God is on our side by faith in him. The fight of the courageous, it is a difficult battle. And finally, number four, the fruit of the courageous. What do courageous people look like? We've described and mentioned earlier firefighters, police officers, other people who we would maybe think as brave, those who are doing things for other people, not for their own motives. 
They're willing to do what is right, no matter the cost. Friend, do you look up to courageous people? There there are people in our lives that we look up to, aren't there? There are friends we think highly of. There are people who are influential to us. There are people we will often, if we have a difficulty or a challenge, we will ask them for advice. Do you look up to courageous people? Do you ask them for counsel and advice? Put it another way, do you look up to those who obey God? Not perfect people, not sinless people, but yet they love God and love his word. In verse number 18, it says this, Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Strong and of a good courage. There's a distinction made between those who go the way of death versus those that go the way of life. Be strong and of good courage because you're going to need it. That is the the fruit, the evidence of somebody who's walking with God. Sometimes we don't feel brave. Sometimes we feel like the biggest cowards. But yet we take that next step in obeying God. You see, we don't go by feeling, do we? We ought not to go by our feelings. We go by the word of the living God. And what you'll often find is the Lord provides that courage after you take that step by faith, that walk in obedience. Rebellion against God is never brave. It is never courageous. It is never the right thing to do. It is, in fact, it is incredibly foolish. It is fighting against the one who is the great and mighty victor. And it involves death. What would happen in times of war when someone ran away from the battle? If anyone turned the other way in the middle of fighting and ran away from the, from the battle, there were people at the back ready to take aim and fire. Cowardice spreads throughout an army, and it's deadly. It will, it will bring defeat. And they knew this in various times in wars. You look at wars, and the worst thing they could see is someone who runs away from the face of fighting. There's nothing particularly brave about ourselves, as we said earlier. There's nothing special in our own selves but because of the one who protects us, the one, the one who encourages us. That's how we can have courage. Friends, do you know someone who's doing the right things for the Lord? Those people you see and they keep doing, they're always there. They're so diligent. They're always there, the prayer meetings, various different things. Do you encourage that person? to keep going? 
See, we often think because those people are always there, they don't need encouragement. No, they do. They do. We need to keep encouraging godly people who are continuing on in that and producing that fruit. And try and also encourage those who have drifted away from him. The fruit of courage, friends, of those who have courage, the courageous is peace. There is a holy contentment. There's a godliness. Often what will happen is godliness will go alongside courage. Why was Luther, Martin Luther, so courageous? We'll read of the accounts of Martin Luther. How is he so courageous in the midst of all the challenge he faced because he could not bear to see his master dishonored? There was a holy boldness in Luther. If we turn to Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1. Proverbs in chapter 28 and verse number 1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And you, you will see this. You will see this in the media. You will see politicians who have no moral backbone. And they will be cowards. They will change their position at every moment to stay in power. But it says the righteous are as bold as a lion. There's a courage in the righteous, but there is a cowardice in the wicked. Friends, I think we all lack this fruit to a certain degree, don't we? All of us think, I wish I was more courageous than I was. I, all of us are like that. How can we encourage, how can we grow in this area? We all have our personalities and our temperaments. We're all different people. And we will all serve the Lord in different ways. We're not all the same. We all serve in various different ways. But do you have that sweet peace and contentment? There's one practical way you can grow in courage this Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath. Switch off all the things that are causing you to lose courage and to focus on the Lord. Spend, spend focused time with the Lord. I'm not saying how many chapters to read in your Bible devotions. I am not saying how long to pray for, but switch off the world and spend time with your Savior. And that, friends, will make such a difference. Now, we also have to be careful that we don't become self-righteous. And we think, oh, wasn't I so brave to witness that person the other day? We need to trust in the Lord at every moment to not lean on our own understanding because that is how Joshua and the people of God had victory. That is how their inheritance came to them, by faith. And by faith alone, faith is having no confidence in yourself 
but having all confidence in Jesus Christ. Our inheritance is sure. They were inheriting here in the book of Joshua a physical, earthly inheritance, but it didn't just stop there. It pointed toward a future, better inheritance, a heavenly Canaan, a place of rest, a Sabbath, an eternal Sabbath in this heavenly Canaan. Is it yours? Do you long for that day? Are you excited about that? Because that longing for that heavenly Canaan will give you courage. Courage. Holiness will breed courage. Sanctification will breed courage. But friends, beware. Falling into grievous sin. Going away from the Lord. You may be a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. But once you fall into sin, that is where courage leaves. That is where cowardice comes in. And that is where people go so wrong. Don't trust yourself. Trust the Lord. Amen. Let us pray before Almighty God. Glorious and heavenly Father, our great King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, for thou art the one who brings victory. We rejoice in the future that we have in Jesus Christ, that sure inheritance, our sure friend we have in thee, in and through Jesus Christ. We pray, dear Father, that as we face this fight, that thou wouldst give us holy boldness, as bold as a lion. Keep cowardice from our hearts, that we would stand for thee. Lord, we fall short in thought, in word, and deed. And so often our, our conduct is so cowardly. Give us courage. Give us bravery in this battle. Whatever we face darkness, may we see the light shining forth. May we have confidence in the power of the word of God as we share it with others. May we see changes in our hearts, bringing us closer to thy son, bringing us closer to the victor. May we have sweet heavenly food for the journey ahead. Part of the Lord's army, fill us full of thoughts of Christ, thoughts of rest, thoughts of peace. May we be a contented people, so blessed with what we have. Father, forgive our many sins. May thy face shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.